I want us to realize that the Jesus of the Bible, He is coming back to this earth bodily. Are you worshiping Him and Him alone today? Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Jesus Christ is the one true God. In the Ten Commandments, He told us to worship no other gods. He's the Savior of the world and is coming back soon as the judge of all who refuse to believe and follow Him. Today, Brian teaches from the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, about the last words of God to us. Surely, I am coming quickly. So grab a Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 22, beginning at verse 6, for a message entitled, Last Words. Here's Brian. Today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Chapter 22 is the last chapter of the Bible, and we're going to be reading down to the very last verses of that chapter. We'll begin reading in Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. And the scripture says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And John saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then saith he unto me, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testify these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now we know that all of the Bible is equally the Word of God, is equally inspired, is equally important. There's not one passage that's more inspired or more important than another passage. And yet the Bible is laid out uh, in an order. It has 66 books. It has an Old and a New Testament. It has a beginning 
and it has an ending. God allowed his word to be canonized, preserved in such a way that Revelation was the last book of the Bible. And Revelation has an end. It comes to this 22nd chapter. And in these verses that we just read, we read the very last verses of the word of God. You know, I have discovered in my life that there's something uh, powerful about last words. Uh, in my years in ministry, I've had the opportunity with, to be with people uh, when they were nearing death. I've, I've had the opportunity to be with family members as they were in a hospital room or in a bedroom with a loved one that was in their last moments, in their last minutes of life. And in many of those cases, those people still had the ability to speak even up into the very last moments of their life. Their voice was weak, and maybe the loved one had to bend over and literally cup their hand over their ear and lean over and put their ear over their loved one's mouth to hear what they said. But I watched as those loved ones uh, were clinging to those last words. This was going to be the last words that they ever heard this person speak. And even though they had heard uh, their family members speak thousands and tens of thousands of words in their life, and maybe they took those uh, words uh, during their life as being important or not important. But on this occasion, the realization that it was the last words that they would ever hear it made these words vitally important, and they were listening even more intently than usual. And I've also been with people, as many of you have, that maybe you were getting ready to go away on a trip, or someone you love was getting ready to go away on a long trip, or to move to a different part of the country, and you were with them, and you realized, I'm not going to always be with them like I, I, I have been in the past. Uh, I'm not going to be able to hear them speak all the time. I'm not going to be able to be around them. And you realize these last words of goodbye, these last words of love were going to be some of the last words that you and they would speak to each other, maybe for a very long time. And so those words were important because they were last words. Well, these are the last words of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, beginning with verse 6 through the end of the chapter, the last canonized words of the Bible of God uh, that he was speaking to his people, to his church. And so I think as we look at these words, as we listen to these words, as we read them, we need to lean into the Bible, maybe with our hand cupped over our ear and say, what is this last message that God has for his church? What is this last message that God wants to communicate to his people? And in fact, I believe there is a last message here. Uh, I believe that we see it uh, repeated uh, three separate times in these few short verses that we read. Uh, we can see it in verse 7 when the Bible says uh, that Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And then again, we see in verse 12 that Jesus says, And behold, I'm coming quickly. And then we can see in verse 20 that he says us another time, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Now, I want you to think with me just for a minute. When, when somebody says something one time, uh, that means that, that they, they mean what they say. When the Bible says something one time, it doesn't have to say it multiple times for it to be true. It doesn't have to say it multiple times for it to be important. But when something is repeated, we know that there's emphasis there. But in this instance, the Lord not only captures in these last 
verses of the Bible a message one time. He not only delivers that same message two times, but in these few short verses, he delivers the very same message three separate times. What is the message? The message is something that's so simple that even the smallest child can understand it. And at the same time, the message that we get, the last message of the Bible is so profound that no matter how long we study and how hard we try, we could never plumb the depths of this message that Jesus Christ leaves for us, for the church. What is the message? Well, he tells us three times. He says, behold, I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And then yet again, behold, I'm coming quickly. The same Jesus that we read about in the New Testament, the same Jesus that came to this earth some 2,000 years ago and wrapped himself in flesh and was born of a virgin, the same Jesus that walked on this earth and performed miracles and taught with great power and lived being tempted in every way as we are tempted, yet without sin, lived a sinless, perfect life. That Jesus that went to the cross 2,000 years ago and sacrificed his body as a substitutionary atonement for the sins of humanity, that Jesus that shed his blood that is the only thing that can remove the stain of sin when he shed his blood on the cross, that Jesus that was walking with his disciples some 40 days after he rose from the dead and he began to ascend into heaven to be at the right hand of God, that Jesus that's there today in heaven at the right hand of God interceding for you and for me, that very same Jesus is speaking to us in Revelation chapter 22. And this last message is a simple and yet profound message that we need to hear and we need to receive because it will literally change our life if we will hear it and receive it. And what is the message? Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. Please hear me. Behold, I'm coming soon. Now, what does that message mean for you and for me? Well, if that message is just a fairy tale, if that message is something that uh, is just written in an archaic book and, and it really isn't true. It w- really wasn't talking about any real, uh, historical event that's going to happen in the future. Jesus is really not going to bodily come back. This is just a, a religious fairy tale. Then, then it means nothing for us. And yet, if this is true, if this is God's word to us, If this is his last message to you and I in the Bible, that he's coming and that he's coming soon, then we better believe that message. And notice that's what he tells us in verse 6. He says, these sayings are faithful and true. We need to believe this saying. We need to believe this last message of the Bible. Jesus spoke this through John, the revelator. He empowered this through his Holy Spirit. He anointed this. This is the word of God. It is without error. We need to believe this. He said this saying, what saying? The saying that he's coming and that he's coming soon. That saying is faithful and it is true. And I know the majority of the people in the world do not believe that. 
I know that the majority of the people that you and I deal with every day at school and at work and in our family and in our neighborhood, the majority of them do not believe that Jesus Christ, the historical Jesus Christ that walked on this earth 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, they do not believe that Jesus is bodily coming back to this earth. The majority of people do not believe that. But my friends, that doesn't mean it's not true. The fact that the majority of people in the world do not believe that Jesus is coming, the fact that the majority of the people in the world are living like Jesus Christ is not coming, the fact that they don't believe it, it has no bearing on it being the truth. This is the Word of God, and God speaks to us this powerful and profound message that He's coming and that He's coming soon, and that message needs to be received by us as something that is faithful and that is true, and that we can base our life on, and that can change our present and our eternity if we will live our life with the reflection and with the foresight and with the knowledge and with the assurance that every single day that we live that Jesus Christ is coming, and He's coming soon. But not only should we believe this message that has been given to us, But if Jesus Christ is coming, and if he's coming soon, and he is, then I believe what he tells us in this passage of Scripture is, if that's true, then it should cause us to take the Word of God more seriously. You know, the majority of people today in the world, they don't take the Word of God seriously. They look at the Bible, and they see it as just an archaic religious book. They see it as just a a historical book about... Uh, some historical archaeological events that took place thousands of years ago, and they don't believe that the Bible has any relevance or any bearing on their life today. The majority of the people in the world are not taking the Word of God seriously. In fact, I, I believe that most people in the church are not taking the Word of God seriously. Now, if you ask people in the church or if you ask people that say that they're Christians, do you believe the Word of God? Most of them will say yes. And if you you say, do you believe it's inspired? Most of them will say yes. Do you believe it's important? Most of us will give lip service to the Word of God. We will say the right things about the Word of God. But I don't believe at the end of the day, most people are taking the Word of God seriously. And I don't believe most people even in the church are taking the Word of God seriously. I don't believe most Christians are taking the word of God seriously. But if Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth, and if Jesus Christ is coming back soon, as he has said in this passage of scripture, it should cause us to take the word of God more seriously. How do I know if I'm taking the word of God seriously? Well, in verse seven, the scripture says, behold, I come quickly Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I believe that's the first way that we know if we're taking the word of God seriously. He says, behold, I'm coming quickly. And then what does he say? Blessed are they who obey this book. Blessed are they who keep this book and the things that are in this book. That's the way we know if we're taking the word of God seriously. If we are obeying the word of God. You see, simply because we give lip service to the Word of God, 
simply because we venerate the word of God, simply because we say kind things or, or honoring things about the word of God, just because we do that, just because we say the right thing, that does not mean that we're taking the word of God seriously. The Bible says this is how you will know if you're taking the word of God seriously. This is how you'll know if you're obeying what the Bible says. And so I ask you today, I ask myself today, let's evaluate our lives. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ is coming back? Do we really believe that Jesus Christ that walked on this earth 2,000 years ago is coming back to this earth? And do we believe that he's coming back soon? Well, if we do, then we're going to accept what he said here in this passage of Scripture. We're going to accept these three times that he gives us this last message. We're going to accept that as a faithful and true saying, and it's going to change the way that we live our life. It's going to change the priorities that we have in our life. You and I cannot live our lives the same way, realizing that Jesus Christ can come back at any moment as we would live our lives if he were not coming back at any moment. And then secondly, if Jesus Christ is coming back, and if he's coming back soon, then we should be taking the word of God seriously. And the way we will know if we're doing that is if we're obeying the word of God. But it's more than that. He tells us in verse 9, Then saith he unto me, See that thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and them who keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And then he said to me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Well, what's he saying there? He says, do not seal up this prophecy. What prophecy? The prophecy that he's giving us in this very passage of scripture, the prophecy that he's giving us in the book of Revelation, the prophecy that he's giving us in the whole Bible. He says, do not seal this up. Do not close this up. Do not put this on a shelf at your house and and fail to read it and study it and obey it. Because if you do, then you're not taking the word of God seriously. If you just give lip service to the word of God, but you're not obeying the word of God, then you're not taking the word of God seriously. We must obey the word of God. And then he says, we can't seal up the word of God. What does that mean? It means we can't fail to share the word of God. You say, well, Brian, what what does it matter if we share the word of God? What does it matter if we preach the gospel? What does it matter if we teach the Bible? What does it matter if we translate the Bible into other languages so more and more people can receive the message of the Bible? What does it matter if we send missionaries or don't send missionaries to go to the uttermost part of the world to make sure that everybody on the face of this earth has an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, if Jesus Christ isn't coming back to this earth, it doesn't matter. If Jesus Christ isn't going to return, it doesn't matter if we share that message. But if Jesus Christ is coming, and if Jesus Christ is coming soon, then it is vitally important that we share this message. In fact, if Jesus Christ is coming, and if he's coming soon, there is nothing more important than for us to obey this word and for us to share this word with every other person on the face of the earth. You see, it becomes vitally important that the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the Word of God, the message of the gospel, it becomes vitally important that that message be shared with every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth if Jesus Christ is coming back and if he's coming back soon. 
not only will we know we're taking the word of God seriously if we obey it and if we share it, but notice in verse 18 and 19, it says, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Now, what is he saying there? He's saying, Jesus Christ is coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming soon. So don't add a word to my book. Don't take away a word from my Bible. Well, what does it matter? What does it matter if we add some things to what God has said? What does it matter if we add some things or take away some things, if we teach some things or don't teach some things that are in the Bible? What does it matter? It doesn't matter at all if Jesus is not coming back. It doesn't matter at all if Jesus is not coming back. But if Jesus Christ is coming back. And he says in this passage of scripture, these statements, these sayings are faithful and true. And what is the saying? I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. If he is indeed coming soon, then it's vitally important that we not add or take away from the word of God. And then notice what he says. He says, because Jesus Christ is coming soon, We need to evaluate our worship. We need to evaluate our worship. In Revelation 22, verse 8, it says, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then saith the angel unto me, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. What did John do? John the Revelator, John uh, the great man of God that had been banished to the Isle of Patmos because of his faith and his work for Jesus Christ, the man that God used to inspire to write this book, what did John find himself doing? Actually, in this passage of Scripture, he sees an angel, and he literally is so impressed by this angel, he's so in awe by this angel that he sees, that the Scripture says that John falls down on his knees. He bows down before this angel and he begins to worship this angel. And the angel looks at John and says, what are you doing? Don't you realize that I'm a created being like you are? Don't you realize that you shouldn't be worshiping me? Don't you realize that the only one that is worthy of your worship is Jesus Christ? What is this saying to us? I believe this is saying, if Jesus Christ is coming soon, and he is, then not only should we accept that saying as faithful and true, and not only should it cause us to take the word of God more seriously, but it should cause us to evaluate our worship. If Jesus Christ is coming soon, every person should evaluate what or who it is that they are worshiping. You say, well, why? What does it matter who I'm worshiping? And, you know, there's this kind of teaching that, that really all the gods are the same and all paths lead to the same God. That's kind of an idea in the world that we live in today. And many people have that type of philosophy, but it's wrong. The Bible says that there's one true God and it's the God of the Christian Bible. And the Bible teaches that Our God is a jealous God. 
The Bible teaches that our God will not accept any other God before him or beside him. Our Bible teaches that our God will not allow one of his creation to worship him and at the same time worship something else. You see, if Jesus Christ is God, and he is, if Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world, and the Bible says that he is, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. In the book of Acts, the apostles taught that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is God. He's the only Savior. That's what the Bible teaches. And this Jesus that died on a cross and shed his blood and was buried and three days later rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the power and glory of God, that same Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And because of that, we should evaluate our worship. Am I worshiping the biblical Jesus? Or am I worshiping some other false God or deity or religion or created thing? Many people, millions of people, multiplied hundreds of millions of people around the world I've traveled over 40 countries around the world, and one thing I can tell you is people everywhere are worshiping something. They're worshiping false gods. They're worshiping false religious leaders. They're worshiping false denominations and false churches. They're worshiping false idols. They're worshiping themselves. They're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. They're worshiping a Jesus that they have invented and fabricated in their own mind, a Jesus that looks like them and acts like them and thinks like them. They're not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. And you say, well, Brian, what does it matter? What does it matter who it is or what it is that we're worshiping? Well, if Jesus isn't coming back, if the Jesus of the Bible isn't coming back, it doesn't matter what we worship. It doesn't matter who we worship. But if the Jesus of the Bible, if the Jesus of the Bible is coming back like he says he is in this passage of Scripture three different times, and if he's coming back soon, and if that Jesus, if that biblical Jesus is the one that we're going to stand before on our day of judgment, then we need to make sure that we are worshiping the right thing, that we're worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. The fact that John, in this passage of Scripture, finds himself worshiping an angel. This is one of the greatest Christians of all times. And yet he found himself bowing down and worshiping a created angel rather than the creator, Jesus Christ. If it's possible for John to get his worship and his focus on the wrong thing, then don't you think it's possible for us to get our worship on the wrong thing? You know, the children of Israel, uh, when, when God led them out of Egypt in the Old Testament with the prophet Moses, and he brought them out of Egypt out of 400 years of slavery, and he led them into the wilderness, and he brought them to Mount Sinai, and he called Moses up on Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments for the children of Israel. Do you remember what the children of God, do you remember what the children of Israel were doing when Moses came down off of the mountain with the Ten Commandments? Do you know what they were doing? They were worshiping a golden calf, a golden idol, 
that they had fabricated with melted gold from their jewelry with their own hands. These were the chosen people of God, and they were worshiping a golden calf rather than the one true God. If it's possible for the children of Israel in the Old Testament to worship a golden calf, if it's possible for John the Revelator to find himself worshiping an angel, then I believe that it's possible that we could find ourselves worshiping something other than the true Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Savior of the world. And my friends, let me tell you something. What we worship is important because Jesus Christ is coming and he's coming soon. And we need to make sure that we are worshiping him and him alone. And another thing that shows me that and and scares me to some degree is in the New Testament where Jesus says that on judgment day, there are going to be many people, according to Jesus, on the day of judgment, there are going to be many people that are coming to him. And they think that they know him and they think that they have a relationship with him and they think that they have been worshiping him on this earth. And the Bible says that Jesus said that many of those that come to him on judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and didn't we do this in your name and didn't we do that in your name? Jesus says, he gives us warning. He says, I'm going to have to say to many of those people on judgment day that are coming to me and calling me Lord. He said, I'm going to have to say to many of them, depart from me because I never knew you. I never knew you because you never worshiped me. You might have been worshiping a Jesus, a Jesus that you fabricated with your own hands, a Jesus that you fabricated with your own mind, a Jesus that was like you wanted Jesus to be. But you were not worshiping me, the Jesus of the Bible. You never had a relationship with the one true Jesus. And my friends, that's what I want us to do today. I want us to realize that the Jesus of the Bible, he is coming back to this earth bodily. And he is going to be the one that we stand before in judgment. He is the only savior that we have to look to. Are you worshiping him and him alone today? We need to believe what he said because it's faithful and true. We need to take the word of God seriously. We need to evaluate our worship and make sure that it's focused on Christ and Christ alone. We need to stop riding the fence. There's so many people today that are in the church that it seems to me they have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They want to have a relationship with God, but they also don't want to give up the relationship that they have with the world. They want to find a way that they can straddle the fence and they can have the best of both worlds, that they can serve God and be a child of God and, and, and have salvation and forgiveness and eternal life. And at the same time, they can live like they want to live and follow the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and, and do the things that the world does and follow the things that the world follows and engage Engage in the activities that the world engages in. We have come to believe in the world that you and I live in that we can have both of those things, that we can have one foot in the church, one foot in the kingdom of God, and the other foot in the world. But this passage of Scripture, the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, the very last verses of the Bible, Jesus says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. And he tells us, because of that, you must stop trying to ride the fence 
and make a decision. He says that in verse 11. He says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. This is one of those verses that are in the Bible that when you read it, if you're really reading and listening to what you're reading, you, you read it and you ask yourself, did it really say what I think that it said? And in this case, it did. And if you're really reading and taking the word of God seriously, this verse probably shocks you what this verse says, because what does it say? He that is unjust, let him keep being unjust. He that is filthy, let him keep being filthy. What in the world? That, that, that just doesn't seem like something that the Bible would teach. If you want, if you want to be unjust, then be unjust. If you want to be filthy, then be filthy. But if you want to be righteous, if you want to be holy, then be righteous and holy. What's going on here? What's the Bible teaching? How can I understand this seeming paradox in the word of God? I believe this is what the Bible's saying in this verse. I believe Jesus is saying to us, I'm coming and I'm coming quickly. And I realize that there is a great multitude of people on the earth and even within the church that have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world, one foot in spiritual things and one foot in worldly things. And they have become convinced that they can continue like that and they'll be okay. And Jesus says, I want you to know something. I'm coming and I'm coming quickly and it's time for you to make a decision. If you want to be unjust, then be unjust. If you want to be filthy, then just be filthy. But if you want to be righteous, if you want to be holy, then it's time to make a decision to live like that and stop straddling the fence. Stop playing a religious game. Either get in the church or get in the world. Either get in the kingdom of God or get in the secular world. Either embrace the things of God with all of your heart, soul, and mind or either reject those things. You see, Jesus Christ is worthy of a decision. Jesus Christ is worthy of us not playing a religious game with him. He is worthy of us not trying to walk uh, down a religious fence with one foot on one side and one foot on the other. He is worthy of us choosing him or rejecting him. And I believe that's what he's asking us to do in this passage of scripture. Where are you? Are you trying to straddle the fence? Do you have one foot in the kingdom of God, one foot in the world, one foot in spiritual things, and one foot in worldly things? Is that how you're trying to live? Then listen to me today. No, listen to the word of God today. Jesus Christ is coming back. You can't continue to live with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world, one foot in spiritual things and one foot in worldly things. Jesus Christ is coming back. You must make a decision, a true, complete, firm decision of where you are going to stand and what you're going to base your life on. You see, we have become convinced in the world that we live in, in our society, in our church structure, I'm convinced that we have accepted lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity. I'm not all that I should be, but I'm better than a lot of people. And, and we look at people that are lukewarm in the church, and we pat them on the back, and we tell them that they're doing a good job, and we let them serve on committees and have leadership roles in the church because they're not cold. They're lukewarm. They're not hot but they're lukewarm. And we have come to believe that lukewarm is not only tolerable, but it's okay. But what did Jesus say in the Bible? Jesus said, I would rather you be cold. 
I don't, I want you to be hot, but if you're not going to be hot for me, I would rather you be cold, Jesus says, than to be lukewarm. In fact, Jesus says, if I come back and I find you lukewarm, I'm going to spit you. I'm going to vomit you. The scripture actually says, Jesus says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's such a powerful descriptive picture of how much Jesus Christ hates half-heartedness. You and I may tolerate half-heartedness, but Jesus Christ does not. We need to make a decision today because he's coming back and he's coming back soon. We need to make a decision to receive him and to be saved by him and to make him Savior and Lord of our lives and to serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Stop riding the fence because Jesus is coming back. And then we need to prepare to receive our reward. We need to prepare to receive our reward. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And the scripture says that when he comes back, his reward is going to be with him. Jesus said in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 22, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work what it shall be. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Notice there's two contrasts. Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm coming quickly. And I want you to know something. When I come, my reward is going to be with me. And the reward is pictured there as two totally opposite rewards. One of the rewards is the tree of life is entering into the city of God, into the gates of heaven. It is the eternal reward of living for eternity in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because we've been saved through faith and repentance and through his shed blood and we've been born again into the family of God and we know him and we have a relationship with him and we're walking with him and when he comes we're going to receive the reward of eternal life with him in heaven. But the other reward, he says, those that are going to be outside of heaven, those that are going to be cast out, those that are going to be outside, those that won't be in heaven, but will be in hell. And today, every single person on this earth is ready to receive a reward. If Jesus Christ came back right this second, if there was no more time at all, Jesus tells us in this passage of Scripture three times, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I'm coming quickly. What if he came back right this instance, right this second? No more time, no more thought, no more discussion, no more action, no more prayer. He came back right now, and his reward was with him. And his reward was either heaven or hell. What would your reward be? Do you know for sure today? Do you know for 100% sure that if Jesus Christ came back this minute, that your reward would be heaven? There's many people that are listening to me today. There are many people that are driving down the road today. And, and if you're honest with yourself and if you're honest before God, you would have to say as you answer that question, you'd have to say, Brian, I hope my reward would be heaven some of you may say, I think my reward would be heaven. I pray my reward would be heaven. But there's many, many people in this world today. There's probably many people listening to my voice today that if you were honest with yourself and if you were honest with your God and you had to answer the question, if Jesus Christ came back this minute, 
Would my reward be heaven? Would I receive eternal life? The way that you would have to answer that question is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I hope that I would receive heaven. I hope that would be my reward. I hope that I would go to live with Jesus, but I'm not sure. Then, my friends, why won't you be sure today? We spend our time planning everything. We plan how we're going to spend our day. We plan our work week. We, we plan our school calendar and studying for tests and exams. We plan for the holidays. We plan for getting our teeth cleaned. We plan for getting our health checkups. We plan for retirement. We plan for everything. Why wouldn't we plan for eternity? Why wouldn't we be sure If Jesus Christ is coming back, and if he's coming back soon, why wouldn't we spend some time preparing for our eternity? He tells us he's coming, and he tells us that his reward is going to be with him when he returns. Why wouldn't we make sure that we're ready for his return? Why wouldn't we make sure that we're ready to receive the reward of heaven? And then I want you to notice, if Jesus Christ is coming, and if he's coming soon, then we need to come to him before he comes to us. In verse 16, the Bible says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. What do we need to do if Jesus Christ is coming and if he's coming soon? According to this passage of Scripture, according to the Bible, according to Jesus Christ, because he's coming soon, then we should come to him before he comes. You see, as long as we come to him before he comes, it's not too late. But once he comes, it's going to be too late for us to come to him. Today, we can be saved. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there's coming a day when that time will be closed. There's coming a day when that opportunity will no longer be available. There's coming a day when I won't be able to be saved. It'll be too late. I will have waited too long if I wait until Jesus Christ comes. The Bible teaches that because Jesus Christ is coming, that we need to come to him before he comes. It's such a powerful scripture there. You can hear the word of God. You can hear Christ. You can hear the spirit of God compelling us to come. In verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that hears say, come and let him that is a thirst come and let whoever will Let him take the water of life freely. Do you hear that? The word of God is compelling you to come. The spirit of God is compelling us to come. And I love this passage of scripture because it doesn't leave anybody out. The end of that verse says, whosoever will may come. My friends, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter how far you've drifted away. Nothing in your past can keep you from coming to God. The only thing that can keep you from coming to God is your pride and your unwillingness to humble yourself right now 
and repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ and in Christ alone. I believe with all my heart that if somebody has been listening to this message, if they've been listening to this word of God and they have heard the message of Jesus, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. And if you've heard that message and the Spirit of God has spoken that message to your heart and he's convicted you of the truth and the reality of that statement and you realize that one day soon Jesus is going to come back and you realize for whatever reason that you're not ready for his return or you're not sure if you're ready for his return, then what you need to do today is you you need to do what the Scripture, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do. You need to come to Him before He comes. Just come to Him. Just humble yourself. Just confess your sin. And with His help, turn away from your sin and turn to Christ. Put your faith and trust in Christ and what he did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago when he sacrificed his body and shed his blood. And my friends, I'm telling you today that the Bible says that whosoever calls on him, that they'll be saved. Will you come to him today, my friend? He's coming. Will you come to him? He's coming. Will you come to him before it's eternally too late? I pray that you will. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall, founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. And that wraps up a study on the last words of the Bible, a study appropriately named Last Words. If you'd like a CD copy of the entire sermon, simply visit our website, write us, or give us a call. The website is uttermostevangelism.org, uttermostevangelism.org. While you're there, simply request your CD by clicking on the banner on the homepage. If you'd rather write Write us. Here's the address. Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38803. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us as well. Our phone number is 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. In his sermon today, Brian Tyndall made it clear that Jesus is coming soon. That means we need to be ready to face him. If you realize that you're not ready, but want to be saved from his wrath to come, then we would like to help you learn how to be saved. Brian has written a small book entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. In it, he'll show why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. To get a copy absolutely free, simply visit uttermostevangelism.org and request a copy. Uttermost Evangelism exists to make Jesus Christ known and glorified among all the nations by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. Won't you stand with us with your prayers and support? To make a donation, simply visit uttermostevangelism.org or send a check to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for listening today and join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.